Time for America's Small Caffeinated Mom, Rhonda Schrock. Hi, Rhonda. Good morning, James. You guys are hopping today. Yeah, I got a little hop in the step there. I mean, <laughs> this last guy that we had, I, I, I just got a text from Jim. Uh, shocking. A man still bragging decades later. We were taught as a gentleman never tells. A gentleman never. This guy's, wow, 15 years old. Anyway, yeah, this, this show's been kind of all over the place this morning. And thanks for sending that story about the Amish farmer, because I hadn't seen that. And that is disturbing and distressing. Well, it is. Uh, I mean, the Amish are, and I know something about the Amish. I have, I come from that uh, culture. I was never raised Amish, but my parents would have been Amish until they were young children, and then their parents uh, left and joined the Mennonite church. So I still have a lot of Amish relatives, a lot of people out in Holmes County, and there are non-resistant people. There is no reason to show up with, with guns for an Amish farmer. It's intimidation and bullying. Yeah, and, and just because the, the farmer is not using, I mean, to me, he should be applauded. You're not using, you're, you're not using even gasoline. You're doing farming the way that farming was done when the founders of this country were farming. To well, me, that's you, something that should be applauded, not held up to, uh, to government, uh, intimidation. Well, it puts the lie to their claims to be such lovers of the climate and environment and all things green, because you can't farm greener than that. So, you know, that point, is, point, that's a brilliant point. It puts a lie to everything they're saying about it. Here's a guy that doesn't even use gasoline. He's right. not using and He has returned back to the quote-unquote pristine, and yet you have the government sending in a SWAT team after this guy because he's not using pesticides, because he's not using hormones, because he's not because he's not using gasoline. What is the disposition of that case right now? I I'm not sure. I just noticed in that article that it had been going on since I think 2015. So the poor guy has been fighting this for years, and he's built a thriving business. So so go back to that conversation you just had with that doctor about the condition of our food supply. He's growing food as it should be without all that added, the estrogen. I heard him talk about that. I've done some reading on that, the uh, what antibiotics, the other things. He's growing food that way, and they're punishing him for it. it it's an upside-down world. That is true. What was your essay yeah. about? What is your essay about this week, Rhonda? Ah, well, I got interviewed this week. I was sitting at my dining room table working on a jigsaw puzzle, and my 16-year-old plopped down in a, a chair what? beside me. <laughs> a a jigsaw puzzle? A puzzle! <laughs> yes, we puzzle usually through the winter. So we're, our puzzle season we is winding down now. puzzle through the winter. Yes. 1, usually 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. It's, a, it's great brain therapy, James. You should try it. Uh, anyway, there I was doing a jigsaw puzzle, and here came my 16-year-old, the youngest one, uh, a.k.a. the cub, and he said, Mom, I have to interview you. Oh, well, what class is this for? Sociology. So it turns out they've been studying the process of becoming an adult. So their assignment was to interview a parent or another elder to see what their journey to, to adulthood looked like. 
So it's very interesting. And of course, the more birthdays you have, the further back you have to travel, you know, to access those early memories. So I thought you would find this interesting. His first question to me was, what was your first job and how old were you? Well, like that, I am 14 years old. It's my first day of high school and I leave classes and I head for my first day on the job at a restaurant. 14 years old, freshman in high school, and I'm washing dishes in a hot kitchen. I worked that job through high school and beyond. Uh, After a year, once I was 15, I started waiting tables. And I'll tell you, working with the public, that's an education all by itself. Uh, You have to learn how to deal with grumpy people, demanding people, customers who pop their false teeth out of their purses and clap them in their mouths before they eat. I mean, the whole thing. But it was so good for me because I learned how to work for a boss, how to keep him happy. I learned responsibility, punctuality, teamwork, all of that. So that, that was, uh, it was good to think, to reflect through uh, that part of my young life. Then he said to me, how did you prepare for adult roles and responsibilities? And I said, learning how to work at home. Again, you know, growing up Mennonite, uh, there's a very strong work ethic. So we were expected to pitch in. We had to learn how to clean. We had to help cook. We had to, I had to learn. I spent hours in what I thought of as the dungeon down at the basement ironing clothes. I'm very good at ironing. And of course, now we don't have to do much of it, but I, I learned how to do that. And then there was work in the extended family. Well, wait, well hold on a second, because that yes. wasn't just Mennonites. I mean, you sound, this sounds like what, a, this sounds like my house. Okay. Oh, and, good. And, and, good. Yeah. I mean, even I had to iron clothes. All of us had to pitch in and work around the house. We all had chores. And they weren't, um, and they weren't gender, uh, chores. Right. It wasn't just like the women had to just, we had to iron. And, and back, let me tell you something. It wasn't just ironing stuff. We had to iron the sheets. We had to iron your, the underwear. We had to iron everything. Yeah. Everything that came out of that washing machine had to, and dried had to be ironed. Everything. Wow. And that was just part of, uh, as well as learning how to clean. And then my dad would come around in our room. My dad, we called him the general because he was like, if you didn't, <laughs> seriously, no, he would come, he would come through the room and he'd do this whole thing. Um, he would go behind stuff and put his finger there. And if he came out with dust, it's like, well, um, I'm sorry, you didn't, you didn't clean properly. Go back and do it again. If we had to wax the floors, remember this? And, and the kitchen floor, if you missed the spot, you didn't just go do the spot. You had to do the whole floor over mm-hmm. again. So you learned excellence. In our culture, you know, there here's was the, here, a lot. Here's the thing, okay. and this will stay with me forever. My father's voice, mm. anything worth doing, finish the phrase, anything worth doing. Is worth doing well. Exactly. Over yeah. and over and over again. Wow. I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead. Well, in our culture, you know, for us girls, the how the homemaking arts were heavily emphasized. And I, uh, what a benefit for As me. As they should have been. Yes. And we were, we also, you know, had annual. As they course. should be today. <laughs> well, James, I've used them. I, I'm thankful for it. And of course, we complained and grumbled. And then we grew up and we taught our kids how to work and they complained and grumbled. And yet, the biggest complainer of my bunch, when he left home for the first time, he came to me and he said, Mom, thank you for teaching me how to work. That that was a gift. So anyway, then the next question in this little interview was, when did you feel like an adult? I had to think about that a little bit, and I thought, you know what? I think it was when I went to the bank 
and took out a loan for my first car. I could have paid it off with my savings from that job at the restaurant, but my parents said, just pay half of it, take out a loan, establish credit. So there I am across from a banker hearing about interest rates and monthly payments and stuff. I really felt like an adult, even though I was mad at my dad for the car that he was forcing me to buy. I wanted a little sporty model, but he being owning a body shop, he saw how those little sporty models ended up in his shop. And so he, uh, encouraged me to buy a 40 lead. I don't know if you ever heard of that. They only made them for three years. The front end was so long. A I 40 could drive what? through Ford elite. Oh, a Ford elite. It was so long. I could drive through three counties at the same time. I was kind of mortified. It was a gas guzzler, but it was safe. So anyway, but, and it was mine and I had earned it. So that, that did make me feel like an adult. Um, he, he asked me what were the two to three most significant events in my life. I, I've not been to college. My greatest accomplishments are my family, my getting married, having children. Those were the two most significant events. Nothing else will ever compare any other accomplishments I may ever have, uh, pale in comparison to raising my family. And that's basically what I told him. Uh, two to three of my most significant challenges, that was a little bit of a head scratcher. I could have listed a lot of things. But what came to me, oddly enough, was how I was forced by hardship, really, to examine my faith as an adult, to look at everything I had ever been taught, to hold it up against God's word, the ultimate standard of truth, and decide if it was actually truth or not. Some I kept, some I tweaked or some I, I exchanged, unlearned, relearned. But when I came through that hard and unsettling period, James, my faith was my own. And I was strong, confident, and settled. So it was a gift for me to sort of be pushed to examine my beliefs. Hard, but it was a gift. And the last question, what is your main concern with adolescents today, specifically as they transition into adulthood? And again, it made me think, and I told him, that they are being raised with a solid foundation of truth and love because truth uh, without love can create rebellion. Uh, but love without truth can set up our children to be little gods. And that is a weight that no one can bear. And it opens the door to a host of ills. When our children are raised on those two pillars of truth and love, they are much more likely to leave our homes as confident, strong, healthy adults who are equipped to go out into the world and be a benefit to society. And that's my desire for my family, and it's my desire for all the families in this country that I love. Rhonda, couldn't have said it better. Look forward to reading your essay, and where can people find you, Rhonda? Uh, RhondaShrock.com. And the essay also goes, of course, on the Daily BS. And thank you so much for letting me pop in over there, too, James. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Ron, my pleasure. Always wholesome. I always feel wholesome after we get through speaking with with Rhonda. And then I got to, yeah, well, don't worry. It doesn't last, Rhonda. (laughs) (laughs) James Golden. That's why you have me every week. (laughs) Exactly. Coming back right after this. Don't go away, folks. Mm 